this episode, we'll be talking about conscience. You'll recall that conscience is a practical judgment of the intellect. It's a judgment that our mind makes about the goodness or evil of a particular action that we're about to undertake or have just undertaken. So it's something that can be wrong if our conscience is not properly formed, just as our intellect can make false judgments in other areas as well. So the modern notion that the conscience has primacy over all things, even external reality and objective morality, is false. It is our obligation to form our conscience, and we talked about the various ways in which we do that. Presumably we have moral instruction when we're growing up to emphasize and inculcate the principles of the natural moral law, as seen summarized in the Ten Commandments, and also through catechesis and moral formation provided by the Church. Another thing that's really important to learn is the elements of a moral act. What things do we consider when we're deciding whether or not a particular action is morally good or evil? Traditionally, there have been three elements that we consider in moral theology when evaluating the morality of an act, and they are the object of the act, the intention of the act, and the circumstances of the act. Now, what do these mean? The object of the act is the, the very action that's performed. For example, stealing or making a donation to the poor or committing murder or worshiping a false god. These are all particular actions that have moral quality to them. It's not simply a mere physical description of what's going on. For example, the object of an action would not be inserting a knife into someone because that doesn't indicate what's actually happening. It doesn't indicate the action that you're actually willing to do because inserting a knife in someone, it could be a morally bad object because it's stabbing someone, or it could be a morally neutral or good act. For example, a surgeon inserting a scalpel into someone to perform surgery. So the object of an action is a particular good or apparent good that is willed by the person acting. So the object already has a moral indication within it. If the object of your action, the good or the apparent good that you're willing is stabbing someone, then obviously that's a morally bad act, whether or not you have some good intention, whatever that might be. And that's what we mean by objective morality, and we've talked about that a number of times and have an episode on that. But the particular moral actions that we perform are either objectively good or objectively bad. It doesn't depend on our intention. It doesn't depend on the circumstances to determine whether or not they're good or bad. Intention and circumstances could make something better or worse, but it can't make a bad, a morally bad object good because something that's objectively evil is objectively evil no matter what, no matter what your intention is, no matter what your culpability is, no matter what your knowledge is. That's a good way to think about it. The object is always objective. You can't take something that's objectively evil and make it good by a good intention. However, you can take a morally good object and turn your act into something that's evil. That's the unfortunate part, that for an act to be morally good, all three of these elements need to be good, the object, the intention, and the circumstances. But for a morally bad action, only one of the three needs to be bad to turn it into a morally bad action. So it's much easier to sin than it is to act virtuously, unfortunately. That's the result of our fallen nature and our fallen world. So you can't stab someone while having a good intention and make that a good action. It's pretty clear how that's the case. But you can give to the poor, which is an objectively good object, and ruin your moral action by doing it with a bad intention. For example, to be seen, to be praised. So a good intention does not make something bad good. 
a bad intention can make something good bad. So hopefully that makes sense. And keep in mind, in the example of making a good object be part of a bad action, the object is still good. Giving to the poor is still good. It's still a moral good in this circumstance. It's still objectively good. So the object doesn't change, but the entire action, which is composed of the object, the intention, and the circumstances, does become bad. So a morally good object can still make up part of a morally bad action because you have ruined it by a bad intention. And as I said, no matter what your intention is, you can't make something that's objectively evil, a bad object, into a morally good action. And that's one of the main principles of moral theology is you can never will to do something that's objectively evil, even if something good might result. This idea of moral theology is the traditional one and held sway until very recently when theologians started to question that and proposed a different form of moral theology called consequentialism or more recently proportionalism. And as you can tell from those titles, it's an evaluation of moral action based on what the consequence of the action is, not on what the action itself is, but what the outcomes are. Or in proportionalism, you weigh the certain outcomes. And if there's more good that results proportionally speaking, then you can call that moral action good, even if it has a bad object. One example that's often given is you live in the early church and the emperor requires that you burn incense to a pagan god. Under proportionalism or consequentialism, you would say, well, if I weigh these goods and bads, burning just a small piece of incense without intending to really worship a false god seems small compared to what good I'm achieving that is saving my life or saving my family's life or whatever. The problem with that is committing an act of worship of a false god is objectively evil no matter what the outcome is. And you get into dangerous territory when you try to mathematically evaluate or compare particular goods. You say, well, clearly most people would say that saving my life or my family's life is a greater good and outweighs the seemingly minimal evil of this tiny action of burning a small piece of incense. But the problem is that is not a tiny action. Is it really true that saving your earthly life or saving your family is such a higher good than refusing to worship a false god and publicly stating your belief in the true god? How do you really compare those? Who's to say that saving your earthly life is a greater good? You're just looking at things from a physical perspective and not really from a, an authentic Christian moral perspective. And that's an extreme example. Think about how much of a slippery slope results from an idea of proportionalism or consequentialism. My individual moral judgment can obviously fall into saying that my individual good outweighs the damage done to anyone else. So you could, under proportionalism or consequentialism, say, I can steal in this instance because, hey, this person seems to have enough money, I don't have enough money to buy food, therefore the good outweighs the apparent evil of this action. In this action, stealing isn't objectively wrong because of the good consequences that might arise for me. So it's a dangerous kind of moral calculation when you hold to proportionalism or consequentialism. What standard really is there for the comparison of various goods? And if we're making this individual moral judgment, then we're always going to tend to fall into weighing our own individual benefit more than evil consequences that might affect someone else. The criticism on the part of the proportionalist to the traditional moral evaluation of things is, 
So you're saying that if you were given the opportunity to cure world hunger by committing an act of the murder of one person, you wouldn't do it? Now that, that criticism has some plausibility because our first reaction is, well, I would be saving so many lives and I'd only be killing one. So it has a kind of apparent plausibility to it. But the proper answer is, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kill one person so to save world hunger. Committing an evil can never be justified, no matter what the consequences are. Especially when we're talking about an actual, real, individual circumstance, we tend to think about things in abstract terms. But when you're dealing with evil, especially something like murder, you can't evaluate it in abstract terms. You're, you're talking about ending a human life and somehow that's going to create a positive benefit. That you incurring some evil, some moral evil on your soul is worthwhile if there are some good consequences, some hypothetical good consequences. Whenever you're talking about consequences like that, you're talking about theoreticals. You're proposing committing an actual definite moral evil on the basis of theoretical outcomes. You can see how faulty this logic is. So it's based on theoreticals, it involves doing something that's objectively evil, and we still have no explanation of what standard we use to measure proportional goods and evils. Now this idea of consequentialism is often conflated with an authentic moral principle that sounds similar but isn't, which is called the principle of double effect. What double effect is, is not saying, well, I can do something evil because there's some good outcome. It's saying, I can perform an action which might result in something that's bad as long as I don't intend that bad effect and I intend a good effect that also arises from it. So this doesn't entail choosing something objectively bad, choosing a bad moral object, because we know we can never do that in a morally good action. What it does mean is I can choose an action that has two effects. One of them is bad, one of them is good, and I don't intend the bad one, but I do intend the good one. And that's not just semantics. If you do this, if you do some action that has two outcomes, and you simply say you don't intend the bad one, but you do intend the good one, but in reality, you do intend the bad one, then no, it doesn't hold water. You are doing something morally bad. But in a situation where you really don't intend the bad effect and you do intend the good effect, then this is morally acceptable. The classic example is a woman who has uterine cancer and knows that if it's treated, it might result or likely will result in the death of her child, but the good result is the curing of her cancer. She, although it would be difficult, can morally choose to treat the cancer and while she foresees the bad effect and the death of the child, does not intend it and in fact deeply regrets it. So what you have here is someone choosing to engage in an action that's either morally good or neutral, that is a, a life-saving surgery, and intends that good outcome and foresees but does not intend the bad outcome. You can see how this is very different from the idea of consequentialism because consequentialism entails doing something that's morally bad for a good outcome. In this example of the surgery, the action is not morally bad. It's either morally good or neutral. So uh, hoping that's clear, moving back to these three elements of a moral action, the object, the intention, and the circumstances, let's look at the example of a morally good action. That is an action that is considered good on all three fronts. So giving money to the poor, that's the object of the action. That is the action willed by the agent. That is the, the person acting. Check that box, that's morally good. The intention is to help someone in need 
as a brother or a sister in Christ, or because someone is made in the image of Christ, or one feels moved by compassion and pity, that's a good intention. And in this situation, the circumstances don't really matter as much in making it good, but circumstances can make it better. For example, intending to give money to someone who is poor with a good intention, but in the midst of a group of people that would make fun of you for doing so, right? That would make it even more morally laudable because you show more moral courage. Or to, uh, to give to someone who is poor who also happens to be your enemy. That's a circumstance that would make it an even more morally praiseworthy action. So that's how circumstances can make something even better. Let's look at a morally evil action that involves a good object. Again, giving money to the poor, a morally good object. Let's say your intention is bad for, for praise or for uh, vainglory. Obviously, that turns it into a bad action. Let's look at an evil action and how intention or circumstances can make it even worse. So you choose a morally bad action, a morally bad object such as murder. So already, of course, it's an evil action. Let's say your intention is out of pure hatred. That makes it even more of an evil action. Let's say the circumstances are this person is related to you or was a benefactor. That makes it even more wicked because of those circumstances. So hopefully that gives some clarity to what to consider when we are facing a moral choice, to really consider all three of those things. And not just to consider whether it's good or evil, but also to consider how to make it even more praiseworthy or good when you're doing a good action. To make sure that you're not only doing something that is good in itself, but also that you're intending it for the right reason. Learning more about all of this really helps form the conscience. So to do independent study on this, I'd of course point you to the Catechism. Uh, part 3 of the Catechism, in the first section, Man's Vocation, Life, and the Spirit, it deals with, in summary, all of the things we talked about in this episode. Also, once again, pointing you to the encyclical by St. John Paul II called Veritatis Splendor, the Splendor of Truth, one of the more important moral documents that the Church has given us. I'd also point you to various articles and talks given by Monsignor William Smith, who was an eminent uh, moral theologian for many years. His articles are generally very clear, and he spends a lot of time on this particular topic.